I would have done this earlier, but I was eating chicken goujons. Mm. Hello and welcome. I'm Steve. And I'm interrupting. And I'm Cal. And this is Fools with Tools, a podcast for the backstage builder. So, gentlemen, what has everyone been up to? Bantams is the nickname for Bradford City, one of the local football teams. <laughs> Uh, I want to know what Al's been up to. An anagram of Batman. Um, I thought I'd mix shit up this week. And instead of telling you the immense amount of things I'm able to do on a Saturday before we record this podcast every week, um, I thought I'd tell you what goes on in my actual life. um, And the kind of things that I get up to during the week um, that aren't necessarily... uh, Maker community related, but they're still pretty makery. They're still co- creative and constructive and problem solving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought I'd give you a bit of an insight into what I do in a normal week. Nice. So yes. this week, being typically fucking busy and irritating and long and uh, requiring lots of journeys to stinkier cities than mine, um, I've done a range of things. This is one of the things that I actually do enjoy about my job is the fucking diversity of it and the um the fact that no day is the same um i can be you know running workshops to designing packaging to um coming up with naming and advertising campaigns um and it's 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 kind of what keeps it going because it's incredibly hard and incredibly terribly paid but um <laughs> <laughs> the fact that i can kind of build my skill set and learn in terms of um, very quick thinking, thinking on my feet, thinking, you know, being kind of forced to be creative all day. Um, I think that's one of the exhausting parts is like constantly being at the sort of uh, the whim of, of of having to be the creative one in the room. So like, yeah. think of ideas, think of ideas, think of ideas. Don't care how tired you are, don't care how early you are, don't care how many ideas you've already come up with. We're, we're doing something different now for a different client. Think of more ideas. Um and it, it, it it's just, it's hard. It's very hard work, but um, that's what I like. I like having things that are hard. Yeah. So, just to give you an idea, this this week, for example, um, I ran a strategy workshop with the what's a strategy big, workshop? A strategy workshop is a workshop with anyone anywhere from two to eighty people. I don't know how big how big's your hall, um, where you come up with an approach for something based on strategy. So there's a lot of kind of ideas that uh, sort of advertising and branding and stuff is just a lot of coked up wankers in a room just plucking ideas out of thin air. Um, And I think it was that way for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I think especially in the 80s and 90s, it was just kind of very much, you know, um, very campaign-led, very trendy. Um, But strategy now is what leads a lot of what, a lot of creative work and it's it's a um it's a lot of psychology it's a lot of insight it's a lot of you know consumer research understanding of the climate politics um basically what how to how to push people's buttons in the right way um, yeah. and to understand people is the most important part so having a strategy is much better than doing something pretty so you can you can design things till the cows come home and let things be things look nice yeah. Um, but all that takes is for one person to show it to someone else who doesn't have the same subjective opinion and go, I don't like that, um, yeah. and therefore it, it can fall down. So if you back it up with, with strategy, 
um, basically there's reasons why you do things. There's reasons why it's blue. There's reasons why it's round. There's reasons yeah. why you've used that typeface. It's keeping, keeping things on brand, as it were. Precise. Um, so, yeah, so ran a workshop to, uh, this week with the, the biggest supermarket in the UK, which shall remain nameless. Um, and that Safeway. Was, that, that's, <laughs> Safeway. I used to love Safeway. Whatever um, that place is, that <laughs> wouldn't accept my signature. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was Asda. Um, <laughs> and that was to, to, to kind of... Um, uh, predominantly, I work with like food packaging, which is obviously huge in supermarkets. But this was to um, for their homewares, so all the shit that you buy that isn't food in a supermarket. And it was a strategy for their whole portfolio of products. So why would you sell this? Why would you sell that? Why would you have TVs? Why would you sell towels, etc.? So you know, huge fucking job to do. Um, lots of big wigs in the room, and corporates, and buyers, and kind of stakeholders and stuff. And it was very. Um, heavy long day workshop, and that was that was like, that's like one day of my job. Yeah. Um, the next day was you know building a a recruitment ad campaign for a, a massive insurance company. So you know how to employ people, how to entice people to come and work in a place. Um, oh, now you've got to think about insurance. Now you've got to think about people who will go and work in insurance company. Now you've got to think about how to speak to them um, across the board, and and you've got to suddenly become a um, you know a recruitment expert. Yeah. Um, and then something a little closer to home, which is what I'm, you know, normally my bread and butter, pun intended, is um, like packaging design. So designing packaging um, came up came up with a whole range and a whole new brand for something that's going to launch in Whole Foods actually in the states um, in, in the new year, which is which is really cool, really exciting. Obviously, I can't talk about it now, but it will be out, and I will then. <laughs> um, but that's that's really fun. Um, down to stuff like um, visiting a board of directors of a theatre company and um, presenting a design to them and getting them on board with a with a new brand for for for, for a group of buildings in the city. So yeah. you know, get, going to heritage and kind of local, um, you know, publicly owned publicly owned sites to massive corporations, um, down to local independent businesses. So the last thing I did on Friday was um, came up with like. Uh, two different approaches for a, a food delivery company. So like a local company in Leeds who are going to deliver, you know, healthy food for people yeah. throughout the day. So, you know, massive scope of work. Um, and that's kind of what a normal week is for me. <laughs> <laughs> so when I come on here and say that, oh, I did some sanding. Shed, <laughs> that's not actually what I've been doing for a week. I'm yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I think that's one of the things though, is because like not that I ever thought your job was just dicking around with crayons. Well, none but... of that for the entire week, none of that was colouring in. I didn't do yeah. a single bit of colouring in. <laughs> exactly. But <laughs> but it's weird the way that people just kind of like they they always kind of uh, they'll hear one or hear one aspect of your job mm-hmm. and assume that that's the be all and end all of it. Um like I was talking to uh I saw Dandles earlier in the week and um and he was saying about when he came up and saw you and talked about what he actually does day to day. And uh, and the fact that you were like, what? what? You don't just fuck around with bits of wood and like drive a forklift around all day and stuff like that. And um, and yeah, I think it, it it's interesting to see how uh, different people's or how, yeah, how different uh, the reality of jobs and people's lives are compared to the like the public perception of them. Um, so yeah, that would be a really good one to just kind of like go straight into the uh, 
like a, a nice conversation. But we've also got to talk about what me and Brett have been up to. So <laughs> maybe we'll come back to that. Yes. Okay. Uh, Brett, what have you been up to? Well, since last we chatted, I have made my way back to the central part of the United States mm. and am hanging with the family for the holidays. Um, I actually got asked if I could build some things while I was in town, which is fantastic. Um, one of which happens to be a deck railing, which I've absolutely never done before, but it all makes sense in my head. And, uh, the homeowner already had an idea of what he wanted and, um, his wife, who is my brother-in-law's sister, uh, she already knew all of the hardware and have done all the research and stuff. So it's just a question of getting all the materials and then building the dang thing. But it is quite a large project for one person to do, but I'm trying my best. Is this is this like a nice, welcoming, uh, nice-to-be-wanted kind of people are asking you to do things or is it like when i go home and my mum's like <laughs> the internet's slow the boiler doesn't work the door's squeaky the floorboard's coming up the carpet needs it and it's like i just got, i've just walked in the door <laughs> well it's it's really interesting because most of my family and even kind of the extended family or people that have married in or you know brothers of sisters of in-laws and everything like that most of them are you know blue collar workers <laughs> easy don't be a dick um most of them are blue collar workers or have you know trade jobs we have a lot of carpenters and electricians and my brother-in-law is a power lineman working on the hundred thousand volts coming out of the poles and whatnot and then uh, the gentleman whose house i'm working on right now is you know my brother-in-law's brother-in-law he owns a like an air conditioning and vent systeming. He, he basically anything that moves air, whether cold or hot, he builds it. Um, but nobody knows how to weld. They have a <laughs> welder, but no one knows how to weld. So they were very excited because I guess they were going to attempt to do the project themselves, which I'm sure they're well capable of, but they have day jobs. And so there's very little time and most of them have families as well. So this was more of an opportunity for for a uh, less of a less of a bothersome task and more of a I don't think we can do this and we've all watched your videos and I think you would probably do this better than we would. Plus, you can just have free rain on the barn, which, if you can tell, is just a big open barn because there's nothing in here. So I get a giant workspace, and it turns out he has a lot of the tools that I would need, plus my pallet with all of my shop stuff is still en route for some reason. It was supposed to be delivered on Friday anyway. So yeah, even though I have a lot of people that I grew up with uh, that are tradespeople or really knew their way around handyman jobs or stuff around the house, general building, um, this happens to be something where my skill set caters to it. So after three years of working with Jimmy, he showed me what he wanted to build and I go, yeah, I can do that with a pretty decent amount of confidence too. Even though I've never made a railing before, it's just a, it's a table opened up. There's just not four sides, you know, connected with wheels (laughs) on the bottom. It's still just rails welded together and stuff. I have had to come, uh, correct a couple of times though, because there's pitch 
to uh, decks and patios and things like that to let the water fall. So you yeah. don't just get to build perfectly plumb square yeah. things. Everything yeah, has yeah, to yeah. be slightly out of square. I'm perfect so at that. Looks correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been really fun though because it's been a series of problem solving, and uh, one section of it has to be it's ten feet, so you know three meters or so, and over that three meter length, it has to drop two inches. So I went to meters to inches. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, but I'm using two inch box section. So all I did was put one side square with the floor and then lifted the other side with a section of nice. the two inch square that I'm doing. And I was like, well, that checks out because now <laughs> it drops two inches. <laughs> so it's been a nice series of problem solving uh, moments throughout the build so far, but there's quite a bit to do and there's a lot of finishing and everything, but it's, it's kind of nice. Like I came back home, get to feel useful. It's nice. And then the holidays will come around, you know, end of next week and I'll be uh, dealing with family stuff and whatnot. And then when the kiddos go back to school, you know, sort out that next step. Nice. Keep going west. Cool. Keep heading west. Yes, but um, nothing too crazy. A lot of it's just like getting settled. I get to work on a project, which is fun. But Steve, how have things been on your end? Um. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, it's. It, I think in a way it must be kind of nice for you to go in and have that thing to to be there to work on straight, straight away rather than kind of getting there and sitting twiddling your thumbs going, oh, fuck, what do I do now? Um, oh, yeah. Any moment so, I'm sitting for longer than a half hour, I get really bored because mm. I'm used to just having stuff to do. Yeah, no, it's good, man. And it, it, like I say, it, it, it means that you're probably feeling a bit more comfortable rather than just going in and just sitting there going uh fuck i've gone from being busy all the time to having nothing um yes so yeah it's good uh i uh i have well as of 28 minutes ago uh bath market is officially done for the year um so we did the last few bits on friday thursday friday um and that's it you know no more uh no more making shit for market we um we had a mass tidy up in the workshop um like just not a full spring clean but like even down to getting some white spirit out and cleaning off the uh the power hammer or like all the grease off the power hammer <laughs> and shit like that like just absolute fucking everything out get rid of all the scrap and all the detritus that's built up over the last few months where we've where cleaning hasn't been a top priority sort of thing um and uh and yeah did that um and then friday afternoon got to actually have a little bit of um like free forge time um so me and joe got to muck around we got to make some things um which uh i'm not going to talk about yet because one of them might end up being a christmas present for my dad um not that he listens to the show anyway but um but yeah uh so it was good we you know it was nice getting to have a bit of a play um there's been a few people that because i um i put a post up basically saying that you know we've we're done with the markets for the year yay um and there's been a few people that have gone oh that's brilliant does that mean you know you're off now and you're just sitting and relaxing all day and it's like no, no, no. Now we're going on to all the other shit that, you know, the um, retooling, the 
forge maintenance, um, finishing off the cladding on the side of the workshop. Like next week, I've got to be uh, up fucking 20 foot in the air, putting on a load of um, clear perspex cladding on the side of the forge to close up the fucking great hole that's in the roof. Um, so yeah, there's still loads of stuff to do, but it's, it's really nice that it's not uh, that manic um, stress of like all of us going, here's a list of things to do. It's going to take four days to do all of them. You've got a day and a half to get them all done. Um, and uh, and actually being able to work together as a team again, rather than just being given individual tasks and kind of setting to them sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it, it it's, it's good and it's nice. Um, the only downside is the fact that where I've um, I've kind of not not started to relax, but I've I've taken my foot off the gas, as it were, and my brain has stopped functioning altogether. Um, so if it sounds like I'm not listening to what you two are saying, and I ask you to repeat something, it's not because I'm not listening. It's just because my brain doesn't retain information at the moment. It's been uh, 110 episodes, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm even worse than normal at the moment. So it's, uh, yes, good fun. Hooray. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's suddenly got echoey, you know? Um, yeah, it, it, it's been good. It's, uh, what am I trying to say? Fucking hell. This is what I mean. I, I can't maintain a, a train of thought at the moment. Um, <laughs> this is just normal. <laughs> Don't be yeah, normal, up. Steve. Things, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we've we've um, we've had a, a a long. I seriously, I don't know where the fuck I was going with this. I had a really nice segue <laughs> into the actual topic, and I've just completely fucking. Forgot. You could have like gone from your your perspex windows to the curtains. Made a nice little segue there. Was it nice. wasn't even that. There was something else I was going to talk about, and just fucking gone. <laughs> um (laughs) fuck yeah um but yeah and there's loads of stuff that we're planning for next year we like we've started obviously we've got the um the classes and the courses happening but there's a load of other events and things that are in the works at the moment um there's some possibly quite drastic changes to uh to the business and how we do things um all very good all very exciting but all still kind of up in the air and very much behind the curtain. Uh, and yeah, that's kind of it. Good job. <laughs> Nicely <laughs> played, sir. <laughs> Smooth. That, I, I stopped because I, well, I, I finished that. You stopped. And, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you put your finger up and I was like, ah, oh, I was going to say something. And then, and then, and then I said just, that bit and then yeah. that ended. <laughs> Um, no, I, I I like I like knowing about how things work and how things function, and that's kind of the most of the reason why I I do what I do and why I like making things is because I I I want to know the inner workings. Yeah. So I you know I I love from shows like you know how things work to how it's made and stuff like that. Um, what was that one with Des Lynam, Steve, in the nineties? That was fucking. Ah. Uh... How did they do that? Yeah, um, it's always fascinated me. So, so since I was a kid, it was about taking stuff apart and and, and knowing kind of, you know, I, I was never bothered by toys as a kid. I never wanted toys, but I was fascinated by the mechanisms 
Um, so like the, the the thing behind the curtain was the thing that was interesting to me. Um, and I think we could maybe be a little bit more open about the stuff we do, especially in the sort of the digital world and social media and stuff. We're very, um, very quick to, to kind of give this sort of faux insight into our lives. Like, Oh, so open. Like we're all sharing things. We share, 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 but it's all curated. You know, it's all like um, showing you the end product or or showing you the bits that you want people to see behind the curtain, but not actually showing behind the curtain at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Almost like a making of like, you know, making a film of the making of. (laughs) It's like (laughs) that that in itself is just like a paradox because you're you're then making something else. So that, you know, you're not actually showing the making of at all. You're just showing something else that you're making. Um, So I I love kind of um, little snippets of of when the curtain slips or when you actually see what goes on. I remember um, the great horrody horrody i just invented that word yeah. great comedy comedy horror that is arachnophobia john oh, yes and uh, that film terrified me as a kid and uh, yeah. yeah i've never particularly been scared of spiders i love spiders but that film just scared me because it was gory and horrific mm-hmm. um but i remember there's a bit where the tarantula's walking up his leg and you can just see the bit of wood that it's glued onto <laughs> and somebody and somebody's just like basically like rotating it uh back and forth Pretty similar to the blacksmithing technique you were talking about last week, Steve, oh, um, really? yeah. with, with the little kind of twist. And I, from then, I, from I think I was probably about like eight or something, and I was like, "Oh shit, yeah, people like just make stuff up in films. Like this is all just made up, and and yeah. everything here has a you know, there's the the chest burster scene in Alien. You know, that's that's somebody underneath the table <laughs> while John Hurt is like stood up with his head back, and it's like this stuff like is amazing." And and either either being involved in that side of things or knowing those things or being told those I love being told those things. So I don't want this all to be about movies. I don't I don't just mean behind the curtains of of theatre. Um but watching the end of Kubo and the Two Strings yeah. was like one of my favorite cinematic moments in the last ten years, by far. Um because I, I was under no, I, I hadn't didn't really know much about Studio Leica. I didn't know that all their films were stop motion, and I didn't know yeah. that Kubo was a stop motion film until the end of that film. And they just pulled back <laughs> and showed you the making the film, and I was just like, yeah, "Fuck me!" Brilliant. And I just watched the film again because it was a, yeah. it, it. Not only did it give me an appreciation to the effort that went into it and the artistry, and the, you know, like Brett with his puppets and talking about Dark Crystal last week, um, it made me just think of everything completely differently. So think of the mm-hmm, whole yeah. film differently. So like things were tangible or things were done in a certain way and I understood it. So it actually changed the storytelling for me. So not just the appreciation of the art, but actually the the knock-on effect of the story. And yeah. so I think there's so much merit in understanding, you know, it, it breaks the illusion, but I, I like it. Yeah, that, that's always a tough... It's always a tough sell to some people. Like they don't want to see... The yeah. magic, right? The the movie magic yes. of it all. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't tell hey, me hey. how the magic trick is done because it's more fun to just enjoy it as I saw it and yeah. believe or have have a moment of disbelief. Uh, when it comes to making things and the the products that we use, I have a really similar reaction when it comes to say things like joinery or how a table was made slightly different than how you would normally see a table get made with you know four legs sat underneath a slab of wood or something. The fact that certain uh, tools or 
products that I've looked through going through like the antique malls. I stopped at a couple of antique malls when I was driving back here. And one of my favorite things to see about really old tools or Steve, I did happen to find a couple of old forged pieces where you could see where the lap welds were and all of these things. So that tells me more of a story about the product. Like at that point, I don't really care what the product is. I care about the way it was constructed. And then in a similar fashion to reading a book and not having any visuals attached to it, it's, I don't know the history of that piece. So there's kind of a curtain there. Like I have to kind of make up how, how did they do that? Who did this? What kind of tool did they use? You know, I, I wonder how they use the anvil or what area of the anvil to make that thing. And I'm more delighted by kind of not knowing in certain capacities. But when it comes to movies, similar to you, Al, I fiend for the uh, behind the scenes, yeah. especially when it comes to practical effects. Like, uh, I remember watching, to hark back on last week, I remember watching the Labyrinth and Dark Crystal bonus features where they actually mm-hmm. talked about how they constructed the puppets and how all of the stages were four feet off the ground so that the puppeteers could walk upright. And, you know, the seeing how they produce the thing made me appreciate the, the movie more. Yeah. Similar like to what the, you the, uh, the, the, the false perspective in The Lord of the Rings. Yes, exactly. Like that. You're like, fuck me. Like, <laughs> All right, keep your secrets. <laughs> but yeah, when it comes, for some reason, there is a disconnect from that. Like mm-hmm. when, it, when it comes to uh, like these old tools, let's say just for example, in the, when I'm going through an antique place, I don't mind that I don't ever get to know. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. delighted by the fact that I don't get to know. I have to try and put it together. And then it actually ends up, uh, I think a lot of people feel this way. It's you walk through, you don't have a story for these old products or these old tools that you're looking at. You pick one up and then you, you kind of get to make up your own story. And when it comes to say the vice, when I redid the vice a couple of months ago um, and I got to break it all down, you could see where all of the joinery was and where all of the forge welding happened and how they twisted and manipulated the steel but, you know, I was talking to Chris Cash about it and he goes, man, like people don't know how they did that stuff back then. Like you can you can kind of analyze it and take it apart and break it down into, well, it had to have been done like this, this and this. But not all of the questions are answered. And I love that yeah. because then it just becomes more enticing to maybe practice those things. It becomes inspiring. Walking through an old antique mall and seeing these things becomes inspirational moments. I mean, this is something like movies where I'm inspired to recreate that thing or that process that they use. There's, there's some, I, 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 I like your take on the kind of the, the not knowing as well. Like sometimes I don't want to see behind the curtain, you know, like I, 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 I want to leave it there. I don't want to know because it will spoil it. It will spoil the magic. It will spoil the illusion. It will spoil the, 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 the kind of um, the transportation of it. You know, if, if, if everything's just boiled down to, you know, the, the the core atomic level of chaos and and Jeff Bridges in the back of a jeep in Jurassic Park like it takes the romance out of everything it's just you're just explaining atoms and 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 there's there's no there's no mystery at all you know you can you can pretty much pull the curtain back on everything and work it all out to to an extent to a quantum level anyway um but the the, the distinct 
you made a distinction between books and, and films. Mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting one because like Wolverine, for example, when I watch Hugh Jackman play Wolverine, I know that Hugh Jackman is an actor playing Wolverine. I know he's not Wolverine. He's he's somebody pretending to be Wolverine. When I read a Wolverine comic, that is Wolverine. Yeah. There's no there's nobody pretending to be Wolverine on the pages. That is Wolverine. Um, you know, in whatever guise that character take or whoever has written them. So that so there's some there's something yes, the media is is different, but there's something fundamentally different between those two things. One of them I know is fake and there's illusions going on behind the literally behind the curtains and people pretending. But in a comic book, it's it's visceral. It's exactly what it's meant to be. There's no, there's no pretending, uh, even down to the written word, and just you know, just just or, or even like you know, um, just reading a book about Wolverine. Never mind a comic <laughs> book. Um, it takes even more of that illusion away. So the, you're just left with the the idea, the intent. So I really like that. Um, the bit I I struggle with is that for so long we lived in this sort of fake entertainment world, whereas now it's, there's been a flip to reality and reality has become our entertainment and YouTube has come an entertainment and the majority of television shows now are, are reality TV shows. The the irony of it being that they're now not. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the intent was that the, this is, we're showing you reality. Um so all that pretending was kind of meant to have been stripped back and become documentary. Mm-hmm. And actually we're now entertained by real things. You know, we don't need to be spoon fed lies to be entertained. Um and it's a bit of a shame now that that has become the norm, and now that is the bit that's overproduced and faked. <laughs> so it's kind of it's caught up with itself, and now we're faking reality in order to entertain ourselves. But um, certainly in our community, there's you know there's a lot of people just sharing reality with us, and and there isn't an illusion, and there isn't a um, a setup or any kind of uh, smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Um, it's it's just telling what it is, and I think that's the that's the part where people can learn as well because you're, you're, you're being honest, you're sharing things, you're talking about it. It's a conversation. You know, the amount of times I see, I think t- today there was something in the, the, the Fools with Twos group on Facebook, somebody saying, oh, having to go trying some videos, you know, any help will be great. Yeah. Then straight away people just jumping in and helping out and being constructive. And, you know, it was just like, this is fantastic. Like the curtains are down, everyone's curtains are down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a massive, like, peep show <laughs> and everyone's joining in i love it um and it's just a healthy environment yeah, yeah. i uh i i i really like that kind of and I, sorry i got completely distracted then because where you were swiping your hair you look like gary oldman in the fifth element where he's got that <laughs> so yeah <laughs> it completely <laughs> emmanuel Zorg. um but Zorg yeah here i uh I I think that's one of the things is that kind of that uh, open honesty, and you see it a lot in. Um, oh, sorry, you, you, like this year, there seems to be a spate of people showing um, like fail videos where you know they're working on a project and they do fail. They you know they show that process behind it. They show that not everything goes well. You know that uh, you know the the knife they were making cracked or the thing they were making fell apart or you know the the bit that they were carving they hit too hard and smashed to smithereens or whatever like that um that that bit of of reality there 
I think makes a huge difference because going back to what you were saying earlier on about like the the social media um world that we live in now where everyone just shares the the top three percent of their lives like it's it's actually quite nice and it's reassuring to see people fuck up and to, I, I to guarantee those bad things. if it hasn't happened already 2020 will be the year of people faking things fucking up because it's trendy <laughs> no seriously yeah. they'll be yeah. like oh mega fail walls and it'll be like oh this is what's getting the views people want to see people yeah. fail it's yeah. that um schadenfraud attitude yeah. that people want to fucking see each other suffer so that yeah. will become people will be making deliberate fucking mistakes because that is yeah. more you know supposedly real I mean, yeah. my my parents. <laughs> this, this is really funny because I didn't even know this, but uh, in the last couple of days since I've been back, I realized that both of my parents like watching those challenge shows on like the baking channel. So it's <laughs> like you know people have to make a cake, a crazy yeah. cake in two hours or whatever. And I, you know, I've been sitting there having a coffee or something and just spending time with my folks and. I can't help but overanalyze these reality (laughs) shows where the people are genuinely trying hard to achieve something in a very small amount of time that should take much longer. But every single time something goes wrong, there are 15 camera angles on it. (laughs) They come back between them like 20 or 30 times. And then it's always the commercial break is right after that because it's yeah. like, oh no, we yeah. don't know what drama. Oh my god! <laughs> and so, yes, we're all aware that you know reality TV has kind of faked drama, but that wasn't really fake. That was something <laughs> that actually happened. But yeah. the amount that they had to ramp it up to like sell it to you, like, oh no, where are they going to be? Well, wait until <laughs> after the commercial. Versus what we do on YouTube, yeah, there's like mid mid-roll ads and stuff that you can put on your videos or you can, you know, kind of strategically put an ad in the middle of your video. Um, I still don't really think there's a lot of people keying in on that idea in the YouTube space to go, well, I don't know what's going to happen now, ad roll, and then coming back and like, everything's fine, actually. I I work out of my home shop and everything's fine. But isn't that the the whole purpose of... of, of youtube you know the whole the whole reason jimmy got into youtube is because he hated the fucking television industry and he yep. hated that bullshit and the the fact that we're now going to commercial breaks in the middle of people's personal amateur videos like <laughs> i understand sponsorships i understand having shit to start but the day that the game stopped to go to commercial break is the day that football was ruined yeah yes oh man yeah that's tough <laughs> But, but then I'm, that's why a football say, game takes takes three hours to play, but about twenty minutes, minutes of actual yeah. play. But the thing is, is I what it, it sounds stupid, but I would rather there was an actual pause and they went, "We're going to be right back after this," rather than what currently happens, which is if you're watching a video that's over six minutes long, then halfway through a sentence, all of a sudden it cuts to a <laughs> random commercial, but which by the time that's finished, you've forgotten the first part of the sentence. And yeah, wait, hang on, what? And you have to scroll back, which then plays the fucking advert again, and you end up just closing it and going and watching a cat <laughs> video instead. That must be doubly hard for you because you don't pay attention even without <laughs> adverts. <laughs> right? But it's like the, the thing with the cakes, Brett, like I've I've successfully managed to avoid television for like a couple of years now um 
but I've got a friend staying with me and, and we, he's kind of slipped into this this routine of having the television on. Um, and I saw a trailer for something called Nailed It, which essentially is a TV show based on people trying to make cakes that they've seen on the internet and failing. <laughs> Do you know like the classic Nailed yeah. It meme of like a, a, yeah. a, a minion yeah, cake yeah, yeah. and then someone's made a cake that just looks like some sort of horrible octopus. Yeah. <laughs> it's like nailed it. Um they're always minions or or like Pikachu or something. Um yeah. or the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Yeah. Um, but they've made, they've made that fucking premise into a television show. So the very fact that people kind of don't want you to see what's going on behind the curtain and the the, the embarrassment of of, of fa- failing at something that you're trying to imitate has now become like the flip. Yeah, and, and they're wanting to celebrate people's embarrassing failures. Is it but, is it celebration though, or is that the wrong word? Because then it's like, haha, everyone poke fun at the person that I, failed. I, I don't. I didn't. Like, what I is their spin? I don't. I don't know. Like contemporary celebrities. So like, when, whenever there's something like, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, wherever it's called. I don't actually know who anyone is. So no. I could have missed the point, and that the, the people making the cakes are celebrities. And for some reason, it's okay to laugh at them. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so that, so that if everyone, the of the show. yeah, I guess if the if the premise of the show or the spin of the show is that we're all meant to have a laugh uh-huh. because You're this not is professional baker. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. difficult, and you know we set you up for a challenge. We knew you were going to fail, so be it. What I what I get um, deterred by is the. I feel like it happens on YouTube every now and then, but more so on television where it's. Um, it's it's forced upon, right? It's like an obligated failure. So they are going to pick somebody out that, like, whoever the cast of that episode is, like, someone's going to fail. They tend to play it up because it's been edited afterwards. So they try and keep you guessing who's going to be the one that fails the most, or uh, maybe you get the underdog in there, or whatever. But because of the the amount of production that goes into it, I feel like some of the let's call them competition shows have now become how many people can we get to watch this show that either all guess the fail and that's where it's like my dad's thing he loves guessing who's gonna lose (laughs) he's actually pretty good at it but choose to lose yeah it it kind of uh it kind of blows my mind to have seen a couple of these things and just go man there was no there was no filming going on for the first two hours while that guy was really busting his butt to get that thing done. All you showed me was the 30 seconds where it fell apart. That's not fair. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think that's uh, that's not a new thing, though. I mean, you look at, uh, like, Takeshi's Castle or... Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or freaking, See, the premise um, of that, I feel like, was set up to be like, this is an impossible task. <laughs> yeah, but- We're going to all laugh at you. But then, like, it, I don't know if you had something similar in, in the States, but, like, the generation game or, or something like that, like, where people are set challenges and the whole point is they're going to fuck it up. They, they're not going to do it. But, you know, the 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 entertainment value is watching them try and they, they kind of set it up like, oh, yeah, yeah, everyone's cheering you on. But really, you, they're watching to see how badly you fuck up. And, like, and I think that's been something that's that's been a kind of staple of entertainment for years. Um, like even down to going to uh, like fairgrounds and watching people uh, try, uh, they used to do like um, arm wrestling and like, you, you know, you'd be able to go in and, and take on the, the 
fairgrounds champion boxer and things like that. Like the whole point was that, you know, you knew you were going to fail, but it was the entertainment of, of seeing someone fail sort of thing. Like it's, it's a, it's a very old thing. Like, I mean, Al said like the Schadenfreude thing, that's, it's, there's a whole, there's a reason it's got a, its own fucking word. Like, and, um, and yeah, I think, I think it is something that's, that's gone on for a long time, but I think in terms of, uh, like, shows or within our community where um and on social media where people are starting to be a bit more honest and it's not a it it, at least the stuff that i've seen so far with the people that i watch and the people i interact with it's not been a uh like say that kind of commercial like oh look we fucked up how are we gonna fix this find out in the next video like I know that there's a few people that do that and I can think of a couple, but the vast majority of it is, is genuine, honest, owning up, owning up and saying, actually, you know what? We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. This, this thing went wrong. Um, and kind of, uh, allowing the people watching it to, to not think that this person is, infallible that you know they make mistakes as well and it making it more relatable and i think that's what a lot of it is about is making it relatable and and uh allowing their audience to to feel like they're the things that they're doing aren't unachievable because they don't do it perfectly every time and you know they, they might take two or three times to to do it and and more than that like uh i know uh mike from modern builds um recently did a project where uh something broke and he made like he then turned the video into uh fixing that mistake and making that mistake part of the video like and that's something that's happened quite a lot and i think that's um that's a really important thing to happen and to to kind of celebrate is to celebrate i mean we've we've talked about celebrating failures on this show so many times but i think it is an important thing because it it reminds people that you don't have to be perfect all of the time and if you if you go down the workshop and you spend an entire day doing nothing but fucking up, like that, that's okay. Like don't, don't think that you're the only person that that ever happens to, because it happens to all of us. And it, yeah, it's, it, it's okay. Yeah. I've, I've, I've spent like at least eight hours this weekend trying to fix my fucking printer. Um, after, after giving up on it last week. So the, the whole reason that I, I've got like a medium format Epson, yeah, I, I invested a lot of money in a long time ago because I, I I did a lot of prints and illustrations and stuff at uni, um, and I haven't used it for years, and that's sacrilege with a with an inkjet printer because it yeah. will just dry up and get bunged up. Yeah, um, and the whole purpose of the the illustration that I did um, for Gummy for the for the treasure trade was that I was going to print it myself. That was the whole point. Like I was going to mm-hmm. yeah illustrate it, design it, come up with the concept, print it, and send it, um, and before the deadline day, I was like furiously unclogging his printer, running through loads of ink cartridges, feeding it all through, you know, went through loads of ink, cleaned it all out, did loads of cycles, and it was still fucked. Um, and that was frustrating. Uh, but then I went, I came after, after the pressure was off, I came back to it this weekend and, and just tried a different approach. And it's that, like you say, Steve, you, you, you spend that time in the workshop, you fuck up. You, you keep making mistakes. It's like sometimes you just take a break, come back, try a different approach, and get it yeah. working again. So I've managed to save like a, you know, nine hundred dollar printer 
um, by just trying different approaches, trying different things, yeah. asking questions, asking people's opinions, you know. Um, so the, 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 there's, a, there's a way to get around those things if you, if you rip the curtains away and actually <laughs> fucking reveal the things instead of hiding behind them. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to kind of mirror that, like I was speaking to you, Al, earlier in the week about mm. the fact that, um, again, for the treasure trade thing, like I just needed to make a box to, <laughs> to put this thing in. And uh, I was like, right, I'm just going to make the simplest box I can, just mitre joints, stick them together, bit of glue, maybe some screws if it needs it, like just keep it as simple as I can. Um, my chop saw does not cut straight at all like 45 chop, degree chop, chop are meant to sh- cut straight yeah <laughs> right <laughs> and uh and my bandsaw it's uh it, it fucking wanders like you wouldn't believe like you start doing a cut and it just goes <laughs> and and again a lot of this is just because i haven't had time to to spend setting them up and making sure they're tuned up properly and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff because I, I haven't had time in the last few months and um and so everything's just kind of uh, built up and it's kind of like I went to one tool because the other tool wasn't working rather than being able to spend the time fixing that. Um, and it culminated with me going, all right, well, at least with the table saw, I know I can get a straight cut and started cutting a bit of wood with that. And whilst it's all still going around, something like it, the wood stopped going through, like the blade was underneath the wood and um and the, the wood stopped moving. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And kind of like peered around a little bit, <laughs> moved, moved the wood back a touch. And the motor is still going like, fuck. And uh, and the blade's just not attached, but then keeps hitting the shaft. So it keeps moving a little bit. I shit myself, <laughs> jump around the side of it and knock the thing off. But yeah, I, and then I'm like, right, so... Now, all of the tools that I rely on to actually be able to make a straight cut, none of them can do it. Fuck. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was that kind of, that, uh, that moment of going, right, well, now I'm fucked. Now I can't make a box. What do I do? Like, how do I get around this? And ended up coming up with a, uh, a different solution that actually, when, when I look, look at it now I was like actually that's a much better idea than <laughs> it works way better <laughs> yeah and it make, makes way more sense um but it, yeah it, it like th- those fuck-ups can kind of they can be um I don't want to say advantages because that's not what I mean but they you know they they can fo- they can back you into a corner and force you to to reevaluate things and to come up with different solutions and and be creative which is what a lot of what we do is is about um so yeah, I think it's it's good to kind of uh, to share that with other people, so that other people can see that actually, when you fuck up, you don't just throw your toys out of the pram and and give up. You, you know, you, yeah, you might need to take a minute or two, but you get on and you find a way of of working around it. That's the whole point of being a maker is you find a solution. I mean, yeah, you mentioned earlier, Steve, that we've we've kind of we've talked about learning from mistakes and you know fucking you up and sharing those fuck ups and things like that um but i don't i don't want this to be this association with the curtain always being like <clears throat> hiding something like it doesn't always have to be a negative like you don't have to be like what's behind the curtain is it all evil and naughty and and sinful and and you know it's you, you're just it, it's 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 the bit underneath the shot of the camera where your floor is messy because you yeah. don't want anyone to see it and you're just filming the nice clean table <laughs> jesse 
Um, but the, <laughs> the, um, one of the real eye-openers of working with the, this theatre is that behind the curtain can be just as big a world as in front of the curtain. Yeah. And the, you're just looking at the back of the curtain. This was, this was like an actual quote from 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 one of the guys working in the theater and it just it totally changed my perspective on stuff literally from the he's like yeah but that's behind the curtain to you like behind yeah. the curtain to us is, is 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 the other side yeah and and even going into a theater and realizing that the 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 back of house is just as big if not bigger than the front of house yeah you start to realize that the 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 curtain is just a point of view yeah um, and and the the things that the things that are hidden in theatre are done so for the smoke and mirrors effect and, and to kind of not spoil the illusion of the, of the story that's being told. But that's just for the audience. You know, there's just as many people in that building that aren't watching the show from the audience point of view. They're they're behind the scenes and they're working. <laughs> and they, that's what they do. You yeah. know, and and actually seeing it from that point of view and going, theatre is not just for the people watching the show. And it's the same with our videos. You know, it's not just for the people watching them that want to see the behind the scenes. It's the other way around as well. And that curtain is like double-sided curtain. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, like, and it's not just theatre, like working, um, like working with bands and things like that. And like mm. going, going out on tour with them. Like I, I spent a, a few years doing a lot of um, like helping friends, bands and things like that. Like, doing UK tours and things. And for a long time, I wanted to be a, uh, I wanted to get more involved with it. And um, I've got a few friends that are tour drivers and managers and, and so on and so forth. And that, uh, that kind of world really appealed to me. And it wasn't because I wanted to be up on stage being a rock star because I, I wouldn't have, have done that. I wouldn't, I didn't want to be part of the band. I wanted to be part of the the crew doing all the stuff in the background um because to me that's where all the fun was like that's that's when you had the you know you, you have a random day off in Skegness or you know you you've got an afternoon to kill in Scarborough or something like that and and like th- those are the are the fun times and the the chaos of um of getting a, a a band around and on tour and making sure all the equipment's always working and and constantly problem solving because you know the the sax players left his reed in the other town and, and things like this, like, and, and doing that kind of um, stuff was always really good fun. And it's the same with, uh, with working in like bars and, and clubs and that, like I always, um, I always had more fun uh, working in a venue than going out drinking because it, there was that constant energy and there was always that, that, the, that thing that needed doing. And I mean, that's that probably speaks to, my personality but i always just found that much more entertaining and mm-hmm. like you say when when i go to a show or when i go to something now i i spend depending on on the show i'm either sat there like suspending disbelief and just enjoying what's going on or i'm looking at it going fuck i wonder how they did that i wonder who built that set i wonder what that fake boulders made out of whether they went with paper mache or whether they used foam or whether they used polystyrene and like and and I I find those things interesting. I think, like you say, like that that curtain is very much just a a perspective thing. That kind of reminds me of, or it, it kind of makes sense with what I was saying earlier to Steve about how the things were constructed. You know, you're saying this about the boulder, the theater, but 
since so many of us, and we've talked about this before, are are keen on problem solving, I think that's the part of the you know front or back of the house, if you want to refer to it in that. A lot of the problem solving that happens that you don't see on camera because it just doesn't really happen to be part of most people's build process. Like the problem solving that I'm doing for this, that's stuff that I'm thinking, like I wake up in the morning, have a cup of coffee, and then something pops into my head where I go, ooh, I know how I'm going to do that. I don't take the camera out to film myself having a 10-second thought that goes, oh, yeah, I thought of this thing, but I'll explain it to you. It's <laughs> better translated if I just show you how I how I get to the solution. Even if I try and talk through it or put little words on the screen, it's never like, oh, and by the way, this came to me while I was uh, you know, taking a shower and thinking how the hell was I going to make this thing stick together? And then it was like, oh, yeah, brilliant moment of like thought out of nowhere. You don't, you don't have those moments captured on camera. And I think a lot of the people that I watch or a lot of people that I'm interested in their process, one of the biggest things I don't feel like I get enough of is the problem solving. That's like going back to the behind the scenes stuff with the movies. A lot of that is cost prohibitive uh, special effects or how you build a set three sides instead of four because you really only need to film those three sides and there's no use you know, building the four side because it'll cost more and that's manpower and time and labor and all that kind of stuff. So the problem solving that happens behind the scenes when it comes to movies, I get that with the, obviously the behind the scenes behind the scenes doesn't happen in a lot of the maker community stuff. And I feel like people are such, some people are such good problem solvers that it's just inherent in the way that they put things together. And they're, they're effectively just telling you like, you do this, then you do this, then you do this. Mm. But how the hell did they come up with that solution? That's why it was always so intriguing to watch Jimmy work. He's think, an amazing problem solver. I think uh, with that, though, I, and I know that we've we talked about this on a uh, an old episode, but um, that's where things like Instagram stories comes in. Like you look at Laura, for example, um, like when you watch her videos, it's it's incredible because it's just it goes from stage one to stage two, to stage three, seamless. And, you know, it always looks like everything's perfect the whole time. You watch her videos, uh, her her stories, sorry, on Instagram, and she's constantly saying, so I had this idea, and turns out it was a shit idea and doesn't work. <laughs> and I went for a walk with Smudo, and I came back, and I decided to do this instead. And, and like, Izzy does the same thing. And, like, there's so many people out there that, that do this. And, uh, I mean, even, like, I've seen, um, like, different blacksmiths that have done it, and, you know, where they talk about, you know, this this blade cracked or this weld didn't take or whatever. Like, and, and those, um, those stories tend to be where they uh, talk about the problem solving and that, that behind the scenes thing. And like, it, it kind of feels like that's almost like the DVD extras that you <laughs> get with a, a, a DVD. Like that's, that's what Instagram is to YouTube. It's the, the extras. I, I, I do love that. And I do love seeing more people do that. Um, it adds another dimension. And it's also like, it's not everyone's cup of tea. Not yeah. everybody wants to see behind the curtain, which I think is nice. It's a nice option. Um, but I think there's still uh, an element missing. There's still a level missing. So I'm not, I'm not saying I want to watch you in the shower, Brett, but I want that. Mo- I want, I want that moment. I want to be there in that moment. I don't want the yeah. past tense 
of Laura saying, I had this idea and then I had this idea. Now I'm telling you yeah. the idea after I've had it. You know, the, ma- the real magic for me is that being able to be there when that spark, that eureka moment or that, that I've just noticed this or I've seen that in the clouds, you know, that, yeah. that for me is the, the ultimate magic and that is the real behind the curtain because everything else is, is still curated, even though it's the behind the scenes and it's a little bit more rough and ready and, you know, it's uncut. Yeah. It's like it's a, a photograph is still just a, 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 a digital representation of the thing that happened yeah. over a period of time that you had the shutter open. It's not the actual thing. Yeah. Um, but I think – And even even then you're processing it and putting it through a filter and changing the perspective, and it's not the actual field of vision. It's yeah. just the format that fits onto a, a, a screen. You know, so there's all this there's all this filtration that goes through. All these curtains of various guises going, putting in, being put in front of you, and like you know, occasionally we peel one of them back. And it's like ooh, behind one of the curtains. Yeah, it's like what about the other four hundred that, we, that we've put in front of it? And, and it's some of them are defense mechanisms, you know, because we're not that keen to share stuff. And you know, although we're all very open and very inter- intercontinental about stuff, we're still dealing with strangers ultimately. Yeah, you know, it's only the past ten years that the world has become so willing to kind of openly share stuff and have conversations like this. So all yeah. these all these curtains are still there, and I, yeah, I, the more the more we peel back, the more interesting life gets. Yeah, but I think that that's the thing is um, when you look at it on that level, like you're never the only way you can see what's happening behind the curtain is to be behind the curtain, mm-hmm. and you know that that curtain. It, it can be a pair of eyelids sort of thing. Like you, the only way that you can really see it is to actually be that person yourself. Like you, you're never going to be able to fully see virtual reality, live streaming and headsets <laughs> in but, Brett's workshop. <laughs> but the thing is, is like even, um, even with yourself, like you can't necessarily always know what's going on behind the curtain because there's, there's the subconscious and you can't actually see what's going on there. Like it depends how deep That's you want to go. Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that though, because in a way that's a bit of a, a cheer or a support for anyone that's wanting to kind of get more into making or become more part of this weird ragtag crew that we've put together or the community as a whole. I just don't like saying community because I feel like Steve says it enough for all of us, but Anybody that wants to know those things will, you know, they'll get put through their paces on their own. And since everyone works in in their own specific way and it's a very individualistic experience, if I was trying to figure out where the problem solving came in the process of, you know, let's say your example with Laura doing the, the desk where she has like the movable lamp parts now and all the little bolt holes in it, um, if you set out to try and make something similar, not copy her, but, you know, try and make your own thing, you're going to get presented with your own uh, problems and then you're going to have to find the solutions. And in that way, you can kind of experience the behind the curtain, you know, not with the person that you saw do it and are wondering that thing, but you get to create your own moments behind the curtain and go, oh, you know what? I bet that's what they did. Or at least that's the closest you could probably get to it unless you were there at that point in time. And I think that's brilliant. I think in a way that's that's very motivational for someone like me who wants to know how that blacksmith forged that thing together. Well, yeah. the best thing for me to do is attempt it. It's the only way I'm going to be able to try and figure out how they did it. Now, Steve, you make jokes with me that I do everything wrong, but I try. 
I try real hard. I listen to you, Steve. But problem solving for me is is the behind the curtain that no one sees. So I have my own little ways that I solve those problems. But man, I'd be I'd be well up for being able to be behind the curtain while somebody else is doing their problem solving or their ideation phase. Like Al being there in the moment where somebody figures something out or that moment is captured. It's why I don't really tend to take a lot of photos of experiences that I have because I'd rather just take it in. And I know for a fact that the photo is going to change something about that experience for me. That's it. Uh, (laughs) Steve uh, looked off of like a thousand miles away, but all I'm saying is that I agree with you, Steve, but I, I think that should be a motivational way to get more people involved in, you know, trying new things or, or figuring out those problem-solving moments that they see other people just kind of skate through. Well, that probably wasn't the case. Yeah, I mean, I I think it, it's an interesting idea. Like, I I don't... I, I think for me, like, everyone's going to... You, you're never going to truly see what's happening behind the curtain for someone else even doing it yourself because everyone's going to have different experiences. Everyone's going to look at things in a different way. You know, you, you give a hundred people the same uh materials and the same tools and tell them to make a chair you're gonna end up with a hundred different chairs like it's well no they'll all be epoxy river chairs <laughs> um but but you know like everyone's gonna come at things in different ways um and that's again that's one of the great things about uh about uh, the way that we all share um the the things that we do is the fact that you get to see that that little kind of sneak behind the curtain of, of how someone's done it. And you, know, you, you get to absorb those ideas and, and turn them into uh, something that works for you. Like it, it it's like, um, like tongs, for example, like tongs, there's no one set way to make tongs. And I've seen so many different people do in so many different ways. They all get the same end result. They all get, uh, you know, two bits of steel that are joined together that, they can pick up other bits of steel with like, but there's so many variations in doing it. Um, and yeah, so I, I think like for me, I, I like the idea of like, like you say, like having that experience for yourself, but I'm not sure if I would think of that as being a behind the curtains look, if that makes sense. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, as, as in, if, if you if you if you're there behind them, they're no longer there. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, what yeah. is that? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the awareness of it makes it different. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not wrong. It, it, not wrong. It, it's 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 a it's a hard thing to do. And, and I mean, like we say, like there's there's no way that you can ever be truly behind the curtain of someone else's experience. It's you know you you can only really ever. Um, be behind the curtain of your own experience and and even then only to to a certain extent um but i think sharing those experiences as much as you can and and offering to show those uh that as much of that behind the curtain stuff as you can um that's that's a good thing that's going to help everyone grow and that is spiffing That's all 
in which case, Al, do you have an order? Yes, it's Bass. Bass, which means Brep, you're first. Oh, I get to go first. So, jumping off of what you said earlier, Steve, where what we see on the YouTubes may be different than somebody else's uh, showings off on social media, I think somebody that I've been seeing a lot of recently is Derek Ons, who is Staven Horn. Steve, yeah. you might have met him. Yeah, you met him up at yep. the Maker Camp. But Derek is a good chap, and we met not too long ago. And I think that we forged together at uh, Spring Make in Cleveland last year. But Derek's been building up a storm over the last few months, and I tend to see his Instagram stories get used to show a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, which is... It's really nice to watch like how he processes everything and he's even shooting stories about how he's like loading his truck and unloading into the garage because he's solo and all he's got is his garage workshop and he's doing a lot of different materials and techniques and big builds and smaller builds and things. So I'm appreciating seeing how he's going into his his full-time makery because, you know, the guy, guy just got his first... Pers- first post vice not too long ago and now here he is making crazy displays and uh cabinetry for restaurants or whatever the hell he was <laughs> he was meeting with some people not too long ago about a really big build so i like seeing how derek's using the uh two platforms differently i feel like i get to see a lot more of the behind the scenes and behind the curtain on social media so derek stave and horn stave and horn Nice. Good shout. Uh, Al, you yes. are next. Um, this is not so much behind the scenes as it is the the flip of perspective that Steve was talking about, so this kind of seeing things on the other side. Um, after a year of kind of downers and miserable political endeavours and this constant kind of bombardment with things to scare you and things to make you uh, worry and therefore become better consumers. Um, it was really nice to, to see somebody post um, in the Facebook group. There's an illustrator called um, uh, yeah. Maro Gatti, um, and he did a project for the Happy Broadcast, which was, um, I'm fed up of all the negativity in the world, so I illustrated 50 of the best things from 2019. And it's just 50 lovely illustrations of just nice things that, um, are about how amazing people are, how amazing the planet is, how amazing animals are. Um, and it just puts that spin on the world and makes you see things from the other side that it's not all, it's not all the negativity that, that Mark Zuckerberg wants you to see. It's also fantastic, wonderful, positive things. So, um, the, yeah, the project was for the happy broadcast, but the illustrator is called Mauro Gatti and he does lovely things with like animals and food and just really simple. Um, nothing too strenuous or overly political, just really simple, good vibes, um, yeah. and a bit of positivity. Never hurt anyone. Yeah, that's a good shout. Very bit well of good played. Good news. Never hurt anyone. Yes. Uh, yes, uh, which means that it's me, uh, and I am nothing. Um, I am nothing. Fucking hell. Uh, my <laughs> nothing. My spiffy has absolutely nothing to do with peeking behind the curtain, uh, other than if you follow him on Instagram, uh, he does occasionally post some 
stuff that's not finished product projects and stuff. Um, but it is uh, our good friend, Terj. Uh, hey, hey. Yeah. Not uh, to be confused with Terg works. No. Not spiffing. No, he, he is definitely not spiffing. Uh, but yeah, Terja is um, on the Instagram as Awesome in Progress. Um, very active in the Fools for Tools group and genuinely one of the most lovely people I've, <laughs> I've ever met. Um, I would agree with that. Like, definition of a gentle giant. Um, and the work that he does, or the work that, that's kind of made him stand out to me has been the carvings he's been doing recently, like the little whittlings of, of people. Um, gnomes. He, uh, gnomes. And, well, as I say, the fact or that he the, just did the tenth doctor. David Tennant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, like, the detail on that is fucking amazing. Um, and <laughs> I love it, how he's like, I got the face wrong. I'm like, yeah, no, it looks great. Yeah. Like, it, it's fucking superb. Um and and he's yeah he's just a fucking lovely guy and everyone should go check him out and give him some love. Agreed. Um, but yeah, uh, that is it for Smithings. Uh, is there any other business? Not from uh, my end. Just want to say a huge thank you to everyone that got involved in the treasure trade this year. Um, I don't know the final numbers, but there's a lot of people. There's a lot of happy people around the world. Um, happy because they made things, happy because they received things, and happy just because they got to see other people make and receive things. So it's like a trifecta of fantasticness. Um, yes. So thank you for those that arranged it. Thank you for those that facilitated it. And thank you for everyone who got involved and put their love and effort into silly little gifts for people. Yeah. Well said. Good shout, Batman. Yeah, no, there's been some awesome stuff going on. There's been uh, a lot um, of jealous people as well. Yeah. Doing some fantastic things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been good. And it's a, re- a really nice thing to have going on for pretty much the whole of December, just every day or so getting to see someone else getting something amazing. Um, so, yeah, good shout on that. Um, and only, only in that Petri dish of bizarre fantastic connections would you get a final space fishing law book made out of leather <laughs> <laughs> that bit, like genuinely i so nearly didn't let her give it away it was fucking awesome um yes uh if you want to get involved in next year's one then you'll have to be part of the falls with tools facebook group um, yes which you can do by going on Facebook and typing in Fools with Tools. Uh, Answer the questions and you can be part of the fun. Uh, If you want to get hold of us, you can find us in all of the usual social media places. You can find me at Moonshine Metalworks. You can find Brett at Skull and Spade 13. And you can find Al at Al's Hack Shack. Get out of my shower, Al! There you go. Uh, You can find us as a group at fwtpodcast.com. You can find us on Instagram at at FWT Podcast, and I've already talked about Facebook, so I don't need to say that again. Um, but yes, we love you all, and we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.